I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. As we continue our journey through Lent, um, we are drawn to this set of readings on this particular day, and um, I, I'm mindful of the, very, the Lenten theme of personal transformation, that, that part of the job of Lent is to recommit ourselves to that fundamentally Christian process of, uh, of imitating Christ, of becoming more Christ-like in our being. And uh, one of the simplest ways to understand this journey is that it's, it's a journey from narcissism to love. Uh, the default human condition is to put ourselves at the center of the universe. Um, every, what matters is what matters to me. Um, and the, uh, the imitation of Christ is where love is at the center of the universe. And it's not so important what happens to me as where the love is in whatever situation we're in. And so we, we have this bit of the letter of the Philippians about the imitation of Christ and how there are enemies, many live as enemies of the cross, um, but our citizenship is in heaven. And so how do we put ourselves into that citizenship of heaven is my sort of the framework, the question that I think um, Lent always hits us with each year. And it's with that in mind that my reflections are based on, in fact, the Hebrew Scripture reading for this morning, which is the call of Abram. And one of the things about that transformation from uh, narcissism to love is that there's uh, one of the traps of narcissism is the trap of impatience, where we want things to go well. We want things to go well for us, number one. Um, if you have a splinter in your skin, all you can think about is that splinter. All kinds of other things may be going on in your life at that time, but until that splinter comes out, you can't get anything else into your brain. And so often our brains work like that. We focus on whatever's hurting us, um, and our, all of our instincts are to make whatever's hurting us stop. And you can generalize this to all kinds of things, um, including... For example, politics, where things in politics upset us and we won't rest until they stop, and so we want to fix them. And I say this as a sinner among sinners. I want to fix things. I am a natural fixer. Um, one of the worst things I do in my marriage is when my wife complains to me, I say, all right, we'll fix that. And she says, that's not what I'm asking for. I just want you to listen. I can fix it myself. I just need to share the process of getting there. Oh, okay, fine. Can't we just fix it now? I'm really tired of your complaining. Because, <laughs> of course, it's all about me, right? It's all about what I have to put up with in this relationship. And, of course, there I am as an enemy of the cross of Christ with my God in my belly, and here I go again. So that transformation to being a person where love is at the center and not my own experience um, what is useful to me when I read the call of Abram is to be really mindful of the gap between what Abram was promised and what Abram experienced. So in this passage here, we get the two big promises, the covenant to Abraham, um, which is descendants and land. Right? That, that was the promise. Look at the stars in the sky as many as they are, you will have descendants, right? And, um, I mean, I'm sorry, you, you do have to read this passage with a Jewish accent because it just makes so much more sense that way. 
O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And on it goes, right? It's good, good whinging in the great Jewish tradition. And here I am a Jew along with my fellow Jews. I, I whinge at God all the time. And God listens to me and God says, I promise that there will be a good plan in place. Um, but here's the, here's the rub. It's not about you. That's, that's if, you, if my sermon had a title, that's it. It's not about you. And only when we keep drilling that maxim into our hearts are we able to make that shift from narcissism to love. Because so much of our default interpretation system is that it's about us. When we read about the spiritual journey, it's about us. It's about the benefits to me. So I, you know, there's a transaction here, God. I'm going to have faith in you and I'm going to do the things and I'm going to be a good person and I'm going to pray and you are going to bless me. And if you don't, I'm out because it's about me. And God keeps saying over and over in the scriptures, it's not about you. There are blessings. There is joy. You are the beneficiary of this process. Yes, you are. But it's paradoxical. It's not in any immediate, cut and dry, cause and effect, measurable way. It's not, I mean, the, 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 um, I've, it's an easy whipping boy, but I'll hit it again. Uh, The prosperity gospel is the exact wrong conclusion. If you love God, you will get rich. It's not how it works, because it's not about you. (laughs) No thumbs up from the cheap seats. No. (laughs) So, so I will always, I will always go after the the uh, the prosperity gospel for the heresy it is, because it isn't true. That's not what the scriptures say. Yes, there are blessings. I have been blessed by my faith. I would have it no other way. I can never go back. And I wouldn't want to because my life is so full of joy and blessing as a result of my faith practice. I could never do anything else. But it's not in that simplistic black and white cause and effect way. It's because I'm part of a bigger story. And that gets particularly important and has been particularly important for me over the last couple of years. When I've been enduring stresses of realities that are so much bigger than me and don't seem to be getting any better. Um, You know, the the common phrase amongst the millennials is, I have no faith in humanity. Well, good, you shouldn't. Um, There's never been any time in history where you could point to humanity as getting better and better. We get get more technology, we get more power, but our moral situation maintains pretty much the same. And so here we are. You'd think in a pandemic we would all pull together and we would care for each other and we would take care of the least and most vulnerable among us with the greatest care. That's what you would think you would do. And that's, of course, not what we did. And at the end of a pandemic, when we're just we're hoping and praying that the strains will become more normal, more like a flu, the last thing we need is a war in Europe. And here we are. And so these things oppress us. They beat us down. And I pray to God that it get fixed because I'm upset and I'm scared and I'm tired and I'm grumpy and I'm stressed. And there are days I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. I want God to fix it for me. And God says to me today, Harwood Jones, it's not about you. Abram had faith that God was doing something through him that Abram could not measure in his lifetime. 
when you look at the end of Abraham's life, how many heirs did he have? One. Right? Well, he had Ishmael, which is another complicated story. Um, but, but essentially, that was a shortcut to trying to get heirs. And it wasn't the plan, and it wasn't what God was promising. And so the stars in the sky, all Abraham, Abraham had to show toward the stars in the sky at the end of his life was Isaac. That, that's what he got. That's, and, and we know from this side of history how that worked and how you could say even today there are as many descendants of Abraham as there are stars in the sky because I am a descendant of Abraham spiritually, as are you. And every Christian and Jew and Muslim in the world are descendants of Abraham in that sense. And yes, there are as many descendants now as there are stars in the sky. So from the vantage point of history, we can say that was totally true. God was totally doing that through Abraham. Abraham just couldn't see it in his lifetime. Why? Because it wasn't about Abraham's own personal experience. It was about something much bigger. So as we navigate a pandemic, and as we navigate the new world order that we are finding ourselves in and how best to be a citizen of the world in that situation with all the new challenges and stresses and strains and fears and anxieties, the, the, the challenge is to remember that as Christians, as individuals, as Anglicans, as members of all, of all spiritual traditions that want peace and justice in the world, that, that we're part of a story that is bigger than us. And we have to learn that virtue of patience, the hardest of virtues, harder than humility. I think I've mentioned this before. I used to think humility was hard. Now it's easy. I've got lots to be humble about. Life has taught me that. Uh, that humility gets easier as you get older. So youngsters, it'll get easy. Uh, patience only gets harder. Patience only gets harder. We've been through this before. Haven't we learned our lessons? I've been through this in my lifetime before. We've seen this. We know the answers. Why don't we get the answers? Why can't we just fix it and keep kicking the darkness until it bleeds daylight? And yet, we are called to trust that God is working out some plan that we can't see. That's what Abraham did. And that's what God reckoned to Abram as righteousness. And Abram believed God. And so the question for me today, because this is an open question and a struggle for me, as I expect it is for you, is do I really believe that God is in charge? That the whole universe is in the hands of God and that nothing is outside of God's purposes, as bleak as it may seem? And if I believe that, then I have shifted that little bit from self-centeredness to righteousness to love, which is the goal of my life and my deepest, deepest desire for me and for all of us as humans on this journey together. And I do believe it's possible. I've met people who have shifted me on that journey, who have shown me what it looks like. I have seen, I've had heroes in the faith who have inspired me, and every time my heart guides me correctly, my heart knows where the love is if I just listen to it. And that's the journey of Lent, is to learn to listen so that I go, it's not about me, it's about the love. Where is the love? Do I really believe God is in charge? And how do I participate in God's work 
when it's something bigger than me that I will never ever understand or necessarily be able even to measure. Because that's what we're about. We're, we're stepping forward in darkness. We will never know the outcome. And at the end of my life, I won't point to my accomplishments. I, I won't be able to show on a chart what I've done that matters. But what I can show is the love that I gave and received while I was on the journey. In fact, my faithfulness is all that matters in the end. I don't have to fix climate change, but I have to be faithful. And that actually is an empowering position. When, when, I, when I have to fix climate change, that's it. I'm done. I'm not, I'm not getting out of bed. It's not going to happen. When all I have to do is be faithful today, I can do that. So this, this is actually a reducing of scope. That if, if all we need to do is trust in God and be faithful today and remember that it's not about me, then we can actually live a day at a time in love, which 